2100. I hate to do it to y'all, but I have to. This episode is all about mental health, mental illness, whatever you want to call it. And I said I hate to do it to y'all, but we're going to get pretty serious this episode, or at least as serious as I'm capable of being. We're going to jump right into it. I need you, the listener, the lovely listener, normally in the beginning of an episode of 2100. Hi, my name's Jason Peters. Welcome to 2100. Uh, I will throw a song right here in this like one minute spot immediately after my theme song to like set the tone just because uh, that's that's just one way to get the listener to, to pay attention or like to set a vibe for a show. But normally I don't want that song to be a pivotal point in the episode. So right now I'm interrupting to say, please listen to this song. Uh, because it's pretty pivotal to the episode, all right? So without th- further ado, uh, one of the greatest uh, bands, or one of the, in my opinion, one of the greatest uh, musical talents to ever live. Um, I'll turn it over to The Temptations. Sunshine, blue skies, please go away. A girl has found another and gone away. With her went my future, my life is filled with gloom. So day after day, I stay locked up in my room. I know to you, it might sound strange, but I wish it would rain. Listen, I gotta cry, cause crying is the pain, oh yeah. Even this hurt I feel inside, words could never explain. I just wish it would rain. Mental illness is a defining feature of our time. It's also a defining feature of my life to a point. I work full-time, 40 hours a week at a 9-to-5 job. I also spend 5-10 to hours a week making this podcast, a couple more hours a week working on other podcasts. I also have freelance contracts, host Quizzo on Monday nights, and work other jobs on occasion. But I focus on my mental health far more than any of that other shit I just said. It's 2019, I've been dealing with depression issues since I was 13 or 14 years old. 
I never felt accepted or comfortable, and I've certainly never felt like I belonged. I'm 24 years old, and I like to think that I've got my mental health issues on lock. I'm very self-aware, emotionally intelligent, and understanding of my situation, which are a few of the things that I recommend everyone attempts to be. Although this is my show, I try hard not to make it the Jason show and avoid making it all about me, but this topic is very near and dear to my heart, so I relate back to it a lot. And So if I am talking about myself a lot, that is why. Um, at the top of the show, I demanded you listened to and then played the song I Wish It Would Rain by The Temptations in its entirety. That's because, in my opinion, I think it's one of the best artistic expressions of my experience with depression that I've ever heard. They speak about how beautiful of a day it is and how bad he wants to go outside, and then he completely contradicts himself by saying that he wishes that it would all go away, and then he wishes that it would rain. He sums up the contradictory aspects of mental illness. You want to feel better, you want to go outside, but you wish it would rain. Your mood won't change despite you consciously knowing that you want to feel better. Read this shit like a poem. Seriously, uh, the lyrics to the song read like a poem. People, People this hurt this I feel, hurt inside. I feel inside. inside. Words, Words could never, never explain. explain. I wish it would, wish rain. It would rain. Day after day, day, after day I stay locked stay up, in, locked my up in my room. I know to I you, know it might sound strange, strange, but I wish but it, I would, wish rain. it would, rain. would rain. My eyes, my eyes search, search the skies. The skies. Desperately, Desperately for rain, because raindrops rain will hide my teardrops, my teardrops and no one and will, no ever, will know ever know that I'm crying when I go outside. To the world outside, my tears I refuse to explain. I wish it would rain. This song was released in 1968. The Temptations are not even kind of singing about mental health. They are singing about the anguish of a breakup. And to all the people in the world that don't deal with depression or mental health issues, I think that this is one of the best ways to explain it. Imagine all the anguish, the self-doubt, and the sadness that comes from getting dumped or a breakup. Then imagine all of those intense feelings coming and going throughout your daily life in a matter that you cannot control. But without the reason of a breakup causing you to be confused about your own feelings. That is depression. And that is mental illness. It's all the hurt of a breakup without the breakup. Because at least when you have a breakup, you can point to why you are feeling that way. But with depression, you can never quite put your thumb on it. And you can never quite explain it to people that don't deal with it. And it's you don't really have the excuse to be sad in the eyes of the world. It's misguided self-hate and frustration that gets more complex over time. Like a game of whack-a-mole, you realize that the methods you use to treat yourself or quote-unquote feel better are just a different manifestation of your problems. You don't love yourself, so you find a girl who loves you, and then you try to convince yourself that because she loves you, that you're worth loving. And then you tie your self-worth to relationships, and when that relationship crumbles, so does your mental health. You become obsessed with projects, goals, and dreams to give yourself validity. Then you achieve those goals, and then you feel hollow because it was never about the project. It was about you all along. You address the idiosyncrasies that you think are negative, and you kill them. You address the idiosyncrasies that you think are positive, and you amplify them, only to find out that you are putting on an act and not being yourself. I have been there. There is no medical cure. The pills that they give you to ease these feelings have side effects, suicide being the primary one, and the medical professionals that are supposed to help you require insurance and co-pays. 
I have my own means of handling my issues, some more healthy than others. I understand my triggers. I know how to help myself. I'm one of the lucky ones. I came out of the mentally ill closet to my family a few years ago. They give me space when I need it, and they treat their relationship with me delicately. My friends are the most supportive people I could ever possibly ask for, and I often feel the love that the people around me give. Also, I have friends who are dead, family members who can't cope, and know just how bad that this shit can get. To the people of 2100, I doubt you're any better. There are small steps being taken in the field. There's no real way to profit off of curing mental illness, but you can target people interested in mental illness on Facebook to sell them self-help books and liquor. In my time, even talking about mental illness is relatively taboo. I want to be a politician later in my life, and I know that my mental health will be weaponized against me one day, and I have to be ready for it. Mental illness can be angled in a way that helps my life. I'm empathetic to others' feelings, and it's damn near impossible to hurt my feelings. In 2020, no one is taking mental illness seriously. We use hashtags and sell shirts. There are marches and charities, but God knows what the fuck all that money and walking goes towards. I know plenty of people with mental health issues, and no one is helping us. I'd love a gift card or a sandwich. That all being said... I had a great conversation with Amy Federer from NAMI Philadelphia, which is the National Alliance on Mental Illness for Philadelphia. Um, If you're from Philadelphia and you need help, their helpline number is 267-687-4381. You can literally call them about anything, anything you want. These are good people that I talked to, and we had some of the most honest conversations. Literally, I'm so happy with how this conversation went. I think it was very helpful for people who don't have a grasp of what mental illness is, to people of the future, I think this is an honest portrayal of what of what people know and don't know. We are talking about what we know as people who know mental illness well, and then comparing it to what the public knows and what some of the major conversations are in our time pertaining to mental illness. So, uh, let's get get, get it popping. Get, get, get it popping. Now when the walls swing open with that awkward motion, what you call it? Suicide, it's a suicide. And if the niggas talk shit cause they drunk off that potion, they commit suicide. Suicide, it's a suicide. Suicide, it's a suicide. Suicide, it's a suicide. Suicide, it's a You need to check up on your strong friend The one with strength that's never gone in The one with sense, take care of several grown men Pay their rent, and then they trade on him The devil play to win I remember I had my head Campbell and my Mercedes Benz Shit, is my funeral, y'all should play all my songs too Hope my body look beautiful while I lay in my strong suit Rumors spread about me that ain't true That's how the fake do If I'm the strong friend, then what the fuck do that make you? Check up on your strong friend. Uh. The worst thing to call somebody is crazy. It's dismissive. I don't understand this person, so he's crazy. That's bullshit. These people are not crazy. They're strong people. Maybe their environment is a little sick. Dave Chappelle. Chester Bennington. Rest in peace, my strong friends. Uh, One of the reasons I wanted to do mental illness or mental health specifically 
is because I feel like it's one of those things that when the people of 2100 look back on it, mm-hmm. they're going to be like, wow, they really didn't know anything. Yeah. They're going to look at us like we look at people who didn't have cars, mm-hmm. or like, like, like that primitive. We, I think brain health and mental health is like the last frontier of just stuff we have not gotten into. Like yeah. the fact that most of the brain... To my knowledge, I try to learn about the brain. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't. I don't typically. But um, could you speak on the state of mental illness, or give me your name and explain um, mental illness to maybe someone who doesn't understand it? Because I know there's people alive in 2019 who don't understand it, right? And I know that there's people in 2100. Let's give them a baseline of what we know. So my name is Amy Federer, and um, I would say that mental illness is very complex. Mm -hmm. There's not really one definition as far as mental illness. There's so many different types of mental illness. Um, Mental illness does affect the brain, though. If you see a brain scan of somebody who does not have depression and somebody who has actual clinical depression, not just talking like, you know, oh, they're sad all the time, mm-hmm. actual clinical depression, um, their brain scan is very different. So you do, there is actual scientific evidence. It's not just like, oh, you know, there's all these symptoms. It's actually something that changes in the brain chemistry. Do you yourself have any... Um personal beliefs or ideas you don't have to speak for the whole NAMIE organization Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. the scientific community of um not what causes uh mental illness but like what scientifically it is like if you could explain it I don't think that there's one cause. because the language around mental illness sucks. Yeah. It's very lackadaisical and I'm a writer that's what Mm -hmm. I do as like my profession uh words like depressed Words like anxiety, mm-hmm. words like uh, mental illness, they all mm-hmm. suck. They all, yeah. They're all they bad, stupid words Like as far as how they are used. Like a balloon can depress. Right. Like, and it has this connotation of negative and losing and mm-hmm. all this weight put into it. And then it doesn't help that on top of that, anyone who's ever going through a grieving period gets lumped into depressed. Yes. There's got to be a difference between grief and... And depression and then like panic and anxiety. Like they should be all different terms. Yeah. And they're thrown around too loosely. Too loosely by everybody. By children, Mm -hmm. by adults, by anybody. I've heard so many people say like, oh, I have ADHD. Yeah. Just because they don't like boring stuff. They're two different things. Yeah. They're completely different ADHD is loving something and not being able to focus on it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's a lot of that. No. And today for this, I specifically wrote down... Uh, my mental health issues or my mental illness issues because this is the first time like this is the first time I'm coming out to the podcast audience Mm -hmm. about my mental health or mental illness like because before like I never anticipated people to listen to the first season I'm being completely candid because I've been creating shit for a long time Mm -hmm. you get some gauge so you expect like friends and family people who already know you to listen uh, now there are people I don't know who listen mm-hmm. and have no idea that – well, I usually figured you could put two and two together. Like with most artists or creatives, you could be like, oh, that guy's not happy. Yeah. Like Kid Cudi, everyone – you could listen to two songs and be like, mm-hmm. that guy's not killing it. <laughs> um, but but I mean, I'm a Cudi fan, so I can say that. But 
for me, this is like the first time I'm really talking about my mental health issues or mental illness issues. So I was going to get it out there and explain my, my, some of my issues to you okay. to, just to kind of get us on equal footing so mm-hmm. you know a little bit about me and yeah. why I care about this. I am clinically depressed, uh, have been for a while. Uh, bipolar tendencies, I self-medicate and self-treat. Mm-hmm. I'm not suicidal. But I deal with suicidal ideation. Mm-hmm. So I got that. Those are if I had to like elevator pitch my mental illness to somebody. Okay, it's that right there. Um, thoughts on self medication and self and self treating. And uh, you can say whatever you want to me. Well, I, I'm pretty rooted. <laughs> I'm pretty rooted in my beliefs. I'm pretty confident in my beliefs. So you're not going to offend me or anything. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, I um, I have. Bipolar, depression, anxiety, um, post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm-hmm. I have self-medicated in the past. I'm a recover. I'm in recovery. So I understand that. Um, I think that that's all too common, actually. That especially people with mental illness. Well, you're the first mental health professional I've talked to in years, mm-hmm. just because it's so goddamn difficult. Yes. Yeah. I mean, difficult as in financially, finding, yes. uh, finding a, a per once you, so in my experience, so you gotta, you first to get a wait list mm-hmm. before you even meet the first goddamn person, you get hit with a wait list. Yeah. And so that's not how anyone needs a therapist. No mm-hmm. one is like, you know what? I could use a therapist three, months, three months from now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly when I that go. Is yeah. s- just the dumbest way to handle things. So mm-hmm. anytime I'm like, oh, I'm going to go to a th- go to therapy, I get waitlisted. And yep. then I don't go because I needed it. I needed it tomorrow or next week. Yeah. I didn't need it three weeks from now. Then uh, three months from now. Then on top of that, the three months comes. You go to the guy or the girl, mm-hmm. 2019. Or the non-binary, mm-hmm. 2019. Yes. <laughs> um, so you go to the person and say you don't like them for whatever reason. Say they give you a grad student who can't handle your problems and mm-hmm. starts crying the second you just start saying what's wrong with you. Yeah. And you don't want to go to that person. Three months. Yeah. You got to wait another three months or you could just stay within that and you could talk to a person you don't entirely trust or feel safe in. And then you got to have the same conversation. Because I've had multiple therapists, not for very long. I had one that I really trusted. But then you go through the loop of why don't you try medication? Because medication was scary for me in the past. Yeah. Why don't you do this? And then you got to explain the whole thing. And it's almost like dating. Yeah. And it's exactly what it's and like. And it's really brutal to, mm-hmm. to be in this state of like mental crisis and then to have a system so built against you. And on top of that, it costs money. Yes. <laughs> on top of that, yeah. it's, it's got money that I don't even have in my budget. That's why a lot of people come to us because we have we offer a lot of different resources. And uh, for the people who are us. Oh, so we're NAMI, National Alliance on Mental Illness. It's a national organization. Mm-hmm. It's the largest grassroots mental health organization. Got it. And it is, um, so we're the Philadelphia chapter, but there's national, state, and local levels Yeah, all so over. That there's up to like 50 different mm-hmm. locations. Yes. How long have you guys been in Philly? So we were around a long time ago, and mm-hmm. then the program stopped running. So then 
um, we've been up and running for maybe like two and a half years at this mm-hmm. point. Um, and we just are kind of getting the word out that we even exist and that we're back around yeah, and we started programming. Oh, well, <laughs> oh, that's a good fit. No. Yeah, well, we we just need people to know that we exist because we have so many resources at our fingertips. We have support groups all throughout the city. Well, don't, don't, don't spread your spread your signal too loud because oh, there's no. plenty of mentally ill people in this city oh no and that's and that's busy. no we <laughs> want to be busy we're actually starting a new helpline so people can just call i did when i called in i got mm-hmm. the helpline which yeah I, which i appreciate yes and anybody can call for any reason you can call and ask to speak to one of us which you can get us directly but you can call to speak to one of us you can call just because you just want to talk and what is the difference between your office and like a, a, a therapy a different a, a for-profit therapy center which is crazy to me yeah for-profit therapy so we don't <laughs> offer <laughs> we don't we don't offer therapy here we offer for support so we are we have peer-to-peer support groups so for family members and individuals that are impacted by mental illness loved ones basically Mm -hmm. anybody in the world um can come to our support groups and it's an individual who has lived experience and has been there and who knows oh kind of like what is it uh i had to go to al-anon yes for for my sister who was in attic yes it's exactly like that it's it's so you go and you come and you learn Mm -hmm. people learn that you are a person yeah you do not you're not alone you don't bite people's feet when they yes. come in the room right we're not writing do. anything down we don't care about what your insurance is it doesn't matter it doesn't matter about diagnosis yes. you can just come to get support and if you do need a therapist or you need a case manager in order to connect you to other services um we can help you receive those services as well got it and what brought you into this field of work because i know that you've dealt with it personally but a lot of people uh do not take something like this and make it their work and i know i kind of do that i i sprinkle a little mental illness on everything i Mm -hmm, do mm -hmm. but uh what what drove you towards this type of work so my my whole family has some form of mental illness or addiction um history on my mother's side and my grandmother actually when you come off the elevator of the consumer satisfaction team my mm-hmm. grandmom actually started that she helped close byberry and um which was a state hospital wow. yeah and they How wanted you... oh, no go on no, no, I'll no, ask I... that's the next <laughs> question that's the next question um, i'll save that my they wanted to send my uncle there he has paranoid schizophrenia and um my grandmom didn't want to send him there so that started that whole thing and then to follow the people that were let go from the hospital to follow them to make sure that they were being treated right and being treated well and getting what they needed they created consumer satisfaction team and now it is what it is today it's still around so speaking on that a little bit you mentioned byberry good mm-hmm. good, good that's great stuff that you mentioned byberry because that gave me a whole slew of ideas so you were alive at a time where byberry was open mm-hmm do you rem- remember the narrative around those mental hospitals and around Byberry? And could you speak on any of that a little bit? Because I wasn't alive. By the time I was born, Byberry was closed. Yeah. But I, I'm from that area. We used to drive past Byberry, hear the stories. No, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, talk to me about... Because I think timing is very important for mental illness. Because yeah. remember, this is the 2100 podcast. So we're talking about way in the future, like 80 mm-hmm. years. 
Um, you look 80 years in the past, what mm -hmm. they were doing to the mentally ill. Yes. Um, so the mentally ill was basically put away, locked in a closet, and threw away the key. They weren't being taken care of. They weren't being taken seriously. They weren't being um, medicated properly. They were pretty much just Being putting... lobotomized yes. and sterilized. Yes. And fucking locked up right. in basements. Right. And just put away like they didn't exist or that there was a way to fix somebody. There's no way to fix mental illness. You Big recover facts. from mental illness. Big facts. Yeah, and it's a lifelong thing that you have to work on. You can't just fix something, put a hole in the brain and then you're fixed. Trust me, I so some th this kind of brings me to a lot of ways. So, if you think 80 years in the past, what is that? That's 19 40. Mm -hmm. So I don't know much about the history of 1940s. Insert audio about 1940s. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then, yeah, so the, obviously the institutionalization of it became much worse. And um, God damn it, I don't know what the correct 2019 rhetoric is to, to, to talk about this. Um, the mentally ill was categorized in the same place as the mentally disabled or mentally handicapped. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Do you think that there is, I think that there's similar things, the umbrella terms, like back to the language thing. Yeah. The language around brain abnormalities is so, for lack of a better term, fucked up. Yeah. Like, because you go back to back in the day, you had the I'm sorry, I'm going to say this word. You had the, the, the label of like the stupid or the retarded. That's mm -hmm. what they used to say back yes. in the day. That was one thing. And then there was the mentally ill mm -hmm. in another thing. Mm -hmm. But brain health as a whole is what both of those things are. Yeah. Strokes. Mm -hmm. Just everything around the whole idea of science behind the brain is so faulty because we know so little. Yeah. Why do you think we know so little? I think that it's evolution. I mean, you have to you have to practice, you have to figure things out, you have to do trial and error. What works for one person doesn't always work for another person, and we're still working on it. I mean, everything can be improved, but I feel like what happened and what was talked about 20 years ago, 50 years ago, 100 years ago is obviously not going to be the same as But what everyone wants about to hate on the mentally ill and mm -hmm. everyone wants to hate on addicts. Yeah. But you ask anybody who their favorite musician is and it's a mentally ill addict. Yeah. That's <laughs> because mental illness is a lot more common than people think that it is. I mean, one in five people are affected by mental illness. I don't even believe it's that low. I, I, I don't either. <laughs> That's that. The, those statistics are by people that report I don't even having report. mental illness. I don't even report. Exactly. So the the statistics could be way higher if people really admitted to. Well, I think a lot of it is ignorance too. People don't want to look. There's a lot of people out there that think they're fine <laughs> and yes. and are content. Mm -hmm. Contentness. Right. Uh, leads a lot of people down a lot of strange rabbit holes. Like, there's a whole group of men out in the world that I'm fascinated with. Mm -hmm. uh, they're called incels. Have you ever heard of them? No. They're the weird. They're all mentally ill, first okay. off, in some way or another. They are incels, and they are called involuntarily celibate. They are a group of young men who mostly thrive on the internet, and they, they're, they're deep in these chains, and they're, they're mostly in, like, alt-right hate groups. Uh, but they are involuntary 
involuntarily, I'm saying that word wrong, celibate. So they're celibate not because they want to be for God, but they are choosing to be celibate okay. because they are mad at women because of feminism and stuff. Mm, interesting. And I just want to get them all in a, in a therapist's office <laughs> and be like, all right, what did your mom do that upset you? Yeah, that's a whole no, other no, no, like, but, but those are that is a group of dudes who think that they are fine and right. that they are awesome. There's a whole, a whole culture... Uh, and I think it's very American. It, it happens in other places. Very American, that pick yourself up by your bootstrap mentality. Yeah. Which is a very stupid saying. Mm-hmm. Because, keep what's inside the family. Yeah, you don't talk about the things. You don't talk about it. You be tough, everyone. And, and I, I'm a big uh, proponent of the... Uh, I believe in the idea of toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. I think it's very real because I used to... I used to not use umbrellas. I used to be like, umbrellas are for pussies. <laughs> what is that? I don't know. That's not no, common though. No, no. It's yeah. unhealthy, toxic masculinity. Uh, yeah. Like, there's a lot of that in this culture where, mm-hmm. like, most men don't find it possible to talk about their feelings and their emotions and what they are feeling is wrong with them. And it drives me nuts. Because that's how you have this whole culture of just, like... Duh, I hate this, this stupid bitch. Mm-hmm. It's like that yeah. whole undertone. All the negativity. Like all of Facebook. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. It's just oh, dudes Facebook. who... I know, it's just people who think they're fine who are just like, I've got 4,000 guns in my basement. Yeah, That's so normal. Great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm scared of everybody and I hate everything and yeah. I, I think that's fine. But meanwhile, I'll type, I'm sad on Twitter <laughs> and people are like, gay. <laughs> Um, I I use I can't comment on that because I'm not a guy. But I my son is yeah. nine, and he um, he went to the store and he was into My Little Pony for a very short while. And we went into the store and he picked out a My Little Pony, and you could tell the person at the register was a little put off by the yeah. fact that he had a pony and I could have cared less at yeah. first I'll, I will admit at first I was like do you want a race car well, works want... in process yeah I mean he was well, only pro- at the time progress. he was only like three so yeah. he and he wants a horse he wants a horse yes and if he was excited about the brush that brushed the hair on the yeah. horse fine that's Never. if that's what he wants Trust to me, do my favorite pokemon was a very feminine pokemon oh don't even talk about pokemon it. he's obsessed with that well yeah <laughs> it, it, there's a lot to be obsessed about it's fun shit for a kid yes uh what's it called further into all right the idea of feelings and mm-hmm. emotions mm-hmm. could you for the layman explain the difference between mood and emotions so this is something a lot of people struggle with because i can be in a bad mood Mm-hmm. And happy. Yeah. I could have a down mood and be excited. People do not understand this idea. I think that that's a very gray subject matter. It's because all so goddamn it's gray. It's so relative of what you're what you're going through like if you were growing through grief mm-hmm. and you were depressed or sad but yet you were happy for one day i mean there's there's all different ways that emotions and everything can mix all in but together when you're mentally ill you are put under a microscope and asked yes. to do, define everything and Always. you do not have the words uh i wrote a thing for this episode it's Pretty much me trying to explain 
mental illness up at the front. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I talk about, there's a song by The Temptations called I Wish It Would Rain. Mm-hmm. And it's all about a breakup, about how how it's sunshine and blue skies, but he wishes it would rain. Yeah. And then I take the idea of a breakup mm-hmm. and I compare it to mental illness. And I go, the, you know the grief and the frustration and the self-doubt that come with a breakup? Mm-hmm. Take all of that idea, but remove the breakup so that you don't know where to point your emotions. Mm-hmm. So you have all that grief, that self-doubt, and that frustration, but you can't put your finger on why. Yeah. So that's kind of what I do to explain the basic, like, the smaller idea of mental illness to people. But That makes sense, but it's so difficult. It There's is, because so everyone much. is different. Uh, and yeah. I believe it's subjective, too. Like, uh, yeah. I have in here the one piece of paper I do have, and you don't have to actually read it. I just wanted to show you, because it might be interest, it might be nonsense. I got some... Pre- uh, I got to present this idea. It's called the swing monitoring system, the mm-hmm. Peters swing monitoring system, because if it's, it doesn't exist, I want to put my name on it. Um, so the basic concepts between the, the monitoring system is that you use it to um, handle your mood swings. Mm-hmm. You just log your mood at the beginning of every day and the end of every day. Mm-hmm. One to 11, six being neutral, 11 being manic, one being depressed. Mm-hmm. And then... You do this for X amount of time, and the idea being the more conscious of your own mood swings that you are, the more critical and aware you are, Mm -hmm. um, the better you will be. Mm -hmm. The the closer those numbers come together, and we did a small control test between me and my roommate who do not have the same problems. I'm the one that has mood swings. He does not, Mm -hmm. and he was a control, and and mine, over time, they got smaller. Uh, It could be pseudoscience could be nonsense but it helped me it's all super subjective that's actually this is something that's definitely brought up similarly not in this exact format right but journaling and there's always been i've always been told by therapists mark down how you're feeling every single day and when you come back let's go over it and let's go over why did you feel that way that day did was there a reason or just because because some days if you're depressed you could be sad and that's okay i know i mean i have suicidal ideation as well and i just went recently into just a complete i couldn't stop thinking about suicide i understand and my mind wouldn't stop thinking about it and all of my coping skills went out the window and i didn't know what to do so there's you can have all the information you can write down whatever you want and it will help if you're in a certain frame of mind and then there's also times when it hits it hits and there's no, there's plenty of coping skills that Trust you can me, use, but... I, I've been recently having it. Things have become uh, a little more physical for me recently, which sucks. Yeah. Because once you get this brain shit on lock, your mm-hmm. body's just like, nah. Yeah. Nah. Yeah. Uh, so what had happened to me, I, my whole life, I never knew I was having panic attacks. I just thought I had a bad stomach. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this bad stomach is coming at certain times, no matter what I eat. Yeah. That's anxiety. And mm-hmm. I learned that the hard way. I learned that at, like at a job I had. Now, every time I have anxiety, just fight through the stomach pains, go do your shit, shut up. Uh, yeah. But I'm decent at that. I always say I'm a mental illness pro. It is, I'm, I'm, I have a better grip on it because I think about it a lot. I put a lot of time and effort into it. And I take care of myself. I go on walks. Mm-hmm. I do the whole thing. But I've recently started having these horrendous anxiety attacks mm-hmm. that uh, it's the heart 
thumping out of my chest, shoulders tight, heavy, mm -hmm. uh, so much so that like I was worried that I had a heart condition. Mm -hmm. uh, but when that's happening, I can keep a straight face. Yeah. I can go into a meeting and yeah. I can do anything and mm -hmm. I don't get paid time off for work. So I have to eat that, yes. sit there and deal with it. So I've lost, I lost a job because of my mental health problems just because I disclosed it. And then the next day I was like, yeah, I told them, I was like, hello, Mr. Boss guy. I have mental health issues and I have to go check stuff out from time to time. Came in the next day, was having horrendous migraines because of light, the lights are fluorescent mm -hmm. goddamn lights i'm staring at a computer screen uh i was like hey can i go home it's like 1 30 uh can i just do the rest of my work at home blah 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 came in the next day was fired mm. well that's technically illegal i know well the company doesn't <laughs> exist anymore so oh. uh, so i'm not and i'm not gonna sue anybody the whole i'm not gonna sit in a courtroom fill out paperwork yeah I'm not gonna, yeah i'm not gonna do any of that well actually the so a lot of people that i like went to i'm very vocal about my mental illness now because it's only been since I've been like 28 I'm 36 now mm -hmm. almost 37 and so when I was 28 is when I started like recovery and started working on myself and figuring out what was going on with me and so now I'm very vocal about it especially since I've been working here mm -hmm. um and bef when I mention stuff about that like on my Facebook or whatever and I get messages from people that know me from the past and they're like there was something wrong with you you had mental illness I never knew that trust me I know because you you don't you don't know unless you're inside the amount of people I, I I've dubbed myself the king of mental illness because I've been talking about it since since I became aware that that was what was wrong with me yeah because i was just a dick for a few like many years mm -hmm. and that was I, I i i can put some of that in the mental health bucket some of that in the piece of shit i was bucket <laughs> yeah. and some of that in like the how i was raised bucket yeah but uh, it was all a culmination of stuff and then once i it all got compartmentalized and i knew what was going on uh i was like oh shit i don't feel bad i don't like if it makes you uncomfortable that I'm mentally ill or I'm talking about my mental health, fuck you. Yeah. It, it, like, it's the same type of people that judge what kind of shoes you're wearing mm -hmm. and what kind of car you drive. And they probably got their own mental illness buried deep, deep down. It's something wrong with somebody else if mm -hmm. you can't accept somebody for who they are. Yeah, and I, believe it or not, um, I'm kind of an aggressive dude, so people don't cross me on it. I don't mm -hmm. get a lot of uh, flack because I'll verbally strip down somebody and destroy them. Uh, for almost nothing. Um, but uh, inversely, more people have been in my DMs and my inbox and texting me, uh, hey, could you help me with this? I have a brother. I'm mm -hmm. suicidal right now. Can you call me? Mm -hmm. Blah, blah, blah. And I get those calls and I'm just like, you don't have anyone else. You've never, I'm the closest person you have. And I'm happy to do it. And yeah. I love doing it. Yeah. And it, it honestly... It's something that I'm better equipped to do than most of the people probably in their lives. Mm -hmm. So I'm happy to do it, but it always makes me feel so sad. I'm like, you can't talk to your family about this. And it, it took me till I had to come out of the closet as mentally ill mm -hmm. to my family at like, I was like 21, 22. Mm -hmm. And I've been dealing with it, going to therapy since I was 18. Well, I think that that's, I mean... People feel like they're alone. People feel like they can't talk about something to somebody, especially family members. I mean, a lot of family 
aren't vocal about it. I had a family that was completely all engrossed in the mental health system, yet I never knew what was going on with me. I never talked. I was constantly quiet. I never talked as much as I do now. Now you can't shut me up. <laughs> but before I would never I would never talk about what was wrong, what was going on well, with Well, was that more or less you didn't have the vocabulary yet? I don't know if it was that or just I didn't know who to talk to. I didn't I was scared about getting help. I didn't know what kind of help there was. Today the help is so much more prominent and today the Conversation. The conversation is a lot more open and everything. Back then, it wasn't so open and it wasn't so, oh, if you have a mental health problem, go here. You know, there, that wasn't really a thing that people talked about. Yeah. So I kept it to myself. Because there was shit like Byberry that people yes. would pass and go, that's where the crazy people Yes, are. or the fact that you'd be afraid if you did speak up, you would go to a place like that. Trust me, I'm, I, there is still, it feel to me, like, mm-hmm. I, I, there is a bit of discomfort. I have no discomfort talking to you about this situation, mm-hmm. but there's going to be a lot of discomfort the day this episode drops, mm-hmm. uh, having people hear me talk about it or whatever. Because yeah. it's not fun to feel different yeah. if it's something that's so obscenely negatively understood. Because uh, people think that if you're mentally ill, you can't be smart, you can't do x you can't do y you shouldn't have children you Mm -hmm. shouldn't and i battle with that i don't know if i should have children do i want a kid to have this brain Uh, yeah well i so my son actually has autism and anxiety and um, it's a full-time job in itself yeah and so he does have a lot of things going on but he's so smart and you if you mention oh my son has autism they're like oh i'm so sorry and yes i did cry when i found out and yes it is overwhelming some days and it's it's tiring because it is different than a child who does not have autism but it doesn't make it it doesn't make him a bad person or um, not a good kid, mm-hmm. and the and that's I think around all of all of the mental illnesses. There's all different levels. And I catch different... myself judging. I catch myself yes. judging people with lesser mental illnesses, mm-hmm. being like, "You don't know what I've been through." Yes. I just called them lesser mental illness. Yeah, that's not what I should say. It yes. shouldn't be on that scale. Right, I should be better, and that's not fair. But that's everything's a work in progress. So, I mean, you know, a lot of people feel that way. Even even I sometimes I'm like, I just, you know, I sit in our support groups and I'm like, I'm so thankful for what my problems are because so many people have so many other problems and, and really big problems, but that doesn't make your problem any less because you're not struggling in the same because way as somebody subjective. else. subjective. You only know what you experience. So yes. my threshold's really high because I experienced some crazy shit. Mm-hmm. But then someone who's never experienced that crazy shit, when something minor happens, it'll get them just as rattled as my crazy shit. Yes. And you can't play the comparison game. I try mm-hmm. not to do it in any aspect of my life. I try not to will judge my success compared to someone else's success can judge my mental illness or someone else's mental illness. I always try to give a fair shake, but at times it's very hard. Yeah. I think that's just human instinct <sighs> as much as you want to not to do There's it. So much humanity mm-hmm. in this issue mm-hmm. that it is so 
goddamn messy. Um, yeah. What do you think is the most misunderstood thing about mental illness? That people are crazy. Because if you think that a person with mental illness is just simply crazy, that's the stigma that surrounds it. And I think that's the thing that's most misunderstood is that you can't function like a normal human being. That if I look at you or you look at me, there's no way you could have mental illness. Mental illness doesn't have a face. Yeah, that's the hardest part. Mm -hmm. We walk amongst you. Yes. <laughs> yeah, look out. Yeah, exactly. I, I hate that too because what is normal? Whenever, if you take any singular person mm -hmm. and you took a camera and you followed them while they were home alone, mm -hmm. everyone would look crazy. Oh, yeah. No matter who they are, they'd be standing and just looking at, like, a wall mm -hmm. for, like, ten minutes. And you'd be like, why'd they do that? Yeah. And anyone, if you put a microscope on them, seems, quote-unquote, crazy. And you even just use the word normal. Mm -hmm. Normal person versus crazy. Mm -hmm. it's, it's this dichotomy of one versus the other. Yes. And that's never helpful, but... It, it's a very American idea of mm -hmm. how to think. It's you versus the other. Yeah. Scary. Yeah, there is no such thing as normal. Um, I'm going to ask you a funny question. Not funny question. It's oh. funny because of how um, ridiculous it is that I have to ask you. Do mental illnesses cause shootings? Uh, no. <laughs> I mean... Is there anything else to say about that? <laughs> I, I, first off, me mentally ill people are no more likely to be violent than anyone else in the world. And I just wanted to ask they're you. actually more likely to be victims of violence because of bullying and labeling and stuff like that. But besides that... Can you shoot someone with mental illness? Sure. No, no, no. Like, like kill you... With mental illness. Oh, right. No. <laughs> no. But what I'm saying is anybody can shoot somebody. Anybody can go get a gun. Anybody can do whatever. That, that's... I, I can't I want to anytime, anytime that conversation that fires comes up, up. I was like, I can't believe we're the scapegoat for this one. I, I, yeah. I just... I Nami had put out a whole specific statement on it. I did a conversation on KYW about it mm -hmm. because it's just... it's. It's ridiculous. And idiotic. Uh, yes, I just wanted to ask you. I wanted to get that out there. Oh, thanks. Get me all fired up. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. But I agree. It's one of the, it's the big thing now. Uh, you hear about mental illness every time Kanye's got an album coming out and whenever a shooting happens. Mm -hmm. It's about it. Yeah. And I always say that no one cares about mental illness because they don't. Other people do not care. Uh, we care because we care. it affects us. Yeah. And but uh, as for a group that is not getting any help from companies, mm -hmm. uh, the, the government, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it, I just think it's one of the most slept on. And also, a lot of pharmaceutical drugs, the main side effect is suicide. Yeah. Not a great side effect. No, for not a great For suicidal people. No. Don't no. you think? Yeah, I, that is, there's a lot of unpleasant side effects, but suicide definitely being one of them. But there's so many medications out there that don't have that side effect. Mm -hmm. So it's all a matter of what your doctor thinks and But then you have to trust your doctor to not have the pharmaceutical companies in his back pocket and right. say very, because this is what, this is why I self-medicate. Mm -hmm. Because A, 
therapy's expensive mm-hmm. and it's a shitty process. Then you get to a doctor and you get medication and you have to try the medications to know what's right for you. Mm-hmm. But what if you're trying the medications and it makes you kill yourself? So <laughs> and that's and that alone that would have to be thwarted. right. Well, so that's something that you like. If that was something that somebody specifically feared, they would just have to make sure that they express that, which is another thing. Which it's, is also hard to express because then they'll put you in. A it's important thing. to talk about how you're feeling. You won't necessarily go to an inpatient because you talk about the fact that you're you're suicidal. It's the fact of having a plan or not. So that's where it comes in where again the stigma of oh if I'm if I'm suicidal I'm going to be thrown in and locked away and that's not exactly the case. The case is if you actually have a plan and you're really committed to doing it and that's and that's obvious. Yeah. Um, but, and then there's, like I said, there's so many different kinds of medication that a side effect is not suicidal thoughts. Yeah. I just had one bad experience and that tailored my entire worldview around this idea. Yeah. So (laughs) that's, what's difficult about it is all of the things that you're talking about of finding a doctor and then getting the appointment and doing all of those things, but then also sticking with it and trying different things because I've been on so many medications I can't even tell you and um even recently I had my medication changed you have to figure out what works and what doesn't and yes. it's a process and I think, it, think it's ever changing I think Always. what works for me this year won't be what worked for me next it's year exactly me yes. that's why I got because my medication changed I don't think it is a stagnant thing I no. think it's ever growing and that's uh, my big theory on uh, mental health and mental illness is I subscribe to the belief that mental health issues have to do with the brain's changing chemistry. Mm-hmm. Um, I tend to focus the idea of the brain's changing uh, brain's changing chemistry on the changing times and how rapidly the times have changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I wrote a book and I talk about mental illness a lot in the book, and in the book I talk about this exact theory: the idea that there is so much information overloading our brains at one time our brains are just twitching out and trying to grow with the technology cannot keep up and hence abnormalities Mm -hmm. Uh, that is what i think the boom of uh, mental health issues is uh because it helps me sleep at night (laughs) (laughs) and because no and it makes a lot of sense it's not really an angle a lot of people have looked into yeah uh and i'm obsessed with it i i really think that if you maybe it's not the whole explanation but i think it it would help explain adhd i think Mm -hmm. it would help explain add i think it would help explain depression because a lot of the depression is coming from that 21st century capitalist mentality of Mm -hmm. we have everything we need why am i not happy yeah we are we're being told that everything's so fucking great where is this god where why why am i not happy Mm -hmm. and i think a lot of it is ascribed to the time we live in well, that's that's the whole main reason why 
I ended up self-medicating and like really going out there is because of the fact that I was I was working at Verizon at one point. I was a manager there. I was making great money. Mm-hmm. I had the house and the nice car and I had all of these things and then I got I got pregnant with my son. I felt like I was born to be a mother and yet after I had my son I still hated life. I still hated myself. I still desperately wanted to die. So, you know, you can have all of these things and it it doesn't it's not going to equal being happy. Being happy is something that is internal and something that you work on every single day. Mm-hmm. And you I have tossed to, the word happy out of my vocabulary. Oh, it's, it's really it is a it is a I say I call it a fruitless endeavor. Mm. Uh, if you chase an emotion or a feeling, you'll never get it. So if you drop the idea of happiness out of your mind, it will show up more in your life. Because that was my big problem. I spent so much time chasing this idea of happiness. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why aren't I happy? Because as if I was supposed to be happy all the time. I didn't fully understand what it was. Like, yeah. Happiness is important and it exists. But yeah. I try to avoid the word. That's interesting. Personally, just because, uh, trust me, I'm so deep in my own goddamn head. Uh, <laughs> I see that. <laughs> uh, no, you have no idea that. It, it's taken me a lot to get where I am with yeah. uh, with mental illness. Like so much so, I've got I've got my own set of words that I use. Like I call myself an altruistic nihilist, which means altruism is the idea that you do the most good for the for the world do good mm-hmm. for others mm-hmm. and a nihilist is someone who does not believe in any given purpose of life so i want to do good for others for no reason well that's a good outlook just because I, i'm not a religious person mm-hmm. uh, it's just so easy no and i don't want to ruffle feathers if you are religious but it's so much yeah. easier to do the mental health shit if you believe in a god Oh, it's so much easier. Yeah, I I'm not necessarily religious, but I am spiritual. It's so much. It's so much better. I wish I was. I but I I, I can't. I can't I, do it. I I think that's a lot of the times. I think that the people struggle with that on one end of the spectrum mm. or the other. Um, I don't necessarily feel like you have to have some specific faith. Yeah. Just faith in life and yes and I, I could and, say i do have a faith and that's and that's faith in making things better to and me that's spiritual live. not necessarily religious you can yes. be spiritual and not be religious i went to catholic school Same. for 12 years Is that what ruined religion but for you? i <laughs> don't tell my mom that she's so mad that i don't want to go to church or I, any the, of that the same day i came out to my parents as uh as mentally ill i was like i'm not doing religion anymore either this happened in the same day uh, yeah it's a big day it's it's, <laughs> it's huge religion is huge for a lot of people and if that's what works for you yeah right on right but for me i'm i'm the same i'm very spiritual i pray but i pray to i actually pray to my brother which is my nice. brother passed away. So I do pray to my brother and I talk to him. And that's my way of connecting spiritually mm-hmm. and talking. Um, but I don't, you know, I don't sit there and talk. Well, I think to it's God. helpful. I think it is helpful to have something great, bigger than you. And it always is better. I don't quite have that. So I have to find other ways to make it work. Um, what improvements need to be made to the mental health field? Exactly what we talked about earlier about not having such a wait list 
for people to be able to see psychiatrists. You mean or the three month wait time isn't good for suicidal people? Yeah. What do you right. mean? Well, the same thing happened with my son. I called everywhere and I tried to get a hold of somebody so that he could get the help because he was having suicidal thoughts. I was thoughts. talking to a friend yesterday who she has insurance, good job. Mm-hmm. couldn't get an email back like she's applying yes. for jobs yes yeah so i think that's the i think that's the biggest thing i mean like even people who are out of out, inpatient they get sent out of inpatient they get set up with aftercare where they get a psychiatrist or a psychologist or both and they're waiting for another two months and that um that is actually one of the highest times that people commit suicide when they are inpatient for suicidal thoughts and then they are not connected in time to get to their outpatient why would they i hate how we just let whole systems fail like this very so actually philadelphia is one of the best mental health systems that we have around um and and we're still improving it's it's an an improvement process i mean like we were just discussing you know years and years ago it was put them away and lock lock up right so it's progress and it's slow progress but it's still progress before you would have just been kicked out of inpatient and then not had any sort of follow-up care so while it's not perfect it is imperfect, but it is improving. And the more people talk about it, the more people engage, the more people make it known that it's an issue, um, it's the faster we're going to get a solution. And for me, um, I often just the, – the words of wisdom I ever have to give to people is just treat your mental health like anything else. Treat it like is if you're hungry, mm-hmm. like when you eat yes. because you are hungry. Mm-hmm. Treat it like a biological function that needs to be taken care of. Yeah. Um, Million-dollar question. What is the state of mental health in the year 2100? Yep. <laughs> Uh, or where would you like to see it? What do you think it'll be like? Because the brain is so interesting. There's so much shit that could happen. Because, uh, you know, it could go a bunch of ways. It could go the way it has always been and we could continue to ignore it. We could breed the genes out of existence that have to deal with mental health. We could fix – we could just fix everything. I Who think, knows? I think it – Obviously, it depends on so many different factors. I know, but give knows. us your hot take. This is what I, we're paying for, baby. <laughs> I, um, I think that it's improving and it's only going to improve more. That's my hope, um, that there won't be any of those long waits anymore and there'll be more access to systems and people will notice it as more, more and more famous people and prominent people are mentioning it to get the word out and use that platforms. And I'm hoping that continues so that people notice that it is an issue and it's okay to have a mental illness and that it's okay if you're sad or if you're going through things and that there are people out there who are just like you and that who want to support you and everybody is different in their own way. So I'm hoping that video games stop (laughs) because that I think is a big form of why people are falling into depression and I hope that... Video games? Yeah. Why do you say that? Because you're 
sitting there staring at a screen and so focused for hours and hours on end on one specific thing and you're not paying attention to what's really going on in the world and you're not living in the actual world. you're saying that's going to stop? No. And with the advent of VR, people are going to go deeper into that. Exactly. And that's that's my wish, but I'm sure that's going to only get worse. Yeah, it's going to get worse. And I feel like that's one of the major problems. I think about the year 2100 a lot. If you think people are straying away from complete isolation and diving into fake worlds. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, Oh, I know. I think everybody's going to be, everything's going to be just let me go online and do it or let me virtually do it instead of hands-on playing in the playground and talking to your friends face to face okay so you want less video games mm-hmm. uh but but overall 2100 like where are we gonna see mental i think mental health is gonna be an everyday not an everyday like at least a once a week thing in schools yeah i think therapy is gonna become a weekly endeavor uh-huh. i think every prison will have more mental health people than like prison guards I think uh, the mental health profession is going to boom in major ways. I completely like, agree. Nowadays, everyone gets shit on for having a psych degree. But yeah. in the future, I think a psych degree is going to be a very, very useful yes. thing. Yes. Yeah. I think that's exactly what's going to happen because the more people are talking about more and more every day. I mean, I've only been here two, like two years, um, a little less than. And I see every day the difference and the people talking about it and the changes that are being made so i only imagine it's only going to get better well that's part of what your work is and to close us out uh could tell the people about nami tell me tell them what the acronym stands for tell them what you're doing uh what some of the work is and just let the people know okay so nami stands for national alliance on mental illness um here all of the namis run differently and have different programs uh, as far as our office, we do support groups here at our location and throughout the city. Um, we work closely. We do crisis intervention training with the Philadelphia police and the Philadelphia prisons. Hopefully, we'll be starting a support group in the prisons um, by the end of this year. And um, we also do presentations like in our own voice where it's storytelling we do an ending the silence um presentations where we go out to schools we talk to kids and students um as young as sixth grade up until college and teachers and parents to let them know about suicidal um suicide prevention awareness uh, signs and symptoms of mental illness how to help a friend things like that um, and then we also have the helpline that people can call for any reason, questions, resources, just want to talk. We have um, different community events and benefits. And um, I know I'll probably forget something, but that's, that's, that's the general the general purpose is to talk about mental illness, to raise the stigma, to advocate um for families and individuals like i said in the beginning pretty much everybody yep any help that they need nobody would be turned away um and anybody who had any questions or just felt lost they can contact us and we can help them all right well thank you very much for allowing me to come thank you for talking to me i know it's not thank the you. most pleasant thing to talk about uh, we about it all day so i don't feel bad yeah, yeah. harder <laughs> for me than it was for you Let me tell you 
by my month, y'all. In the shop and I had a ball. I had the ball for therapy. My strength don't think that helps at all. Whatever. That man ain't wearing these leather pants. I diagnose my damn self. These damn pills ain't working, fam. In my spare time, punching walls, fucking up my hand. I know that shit sounds super great, but if you had my life, you'd understand. But I can't fold. Some poor soul got it way worse. We're all troubled in the world, and trouble was scary to have a kid walk this earth. I'm what you made, God. Fuck, yes, I'm so odd. Think about all my old friends who want my friends all along. <laughs> when it rains, it pours. Whiskey bottles on the six and fours. Every day the price says a chore. Mr. Dream with no exit doors. This episode has been likely the most sincere and serious episode of the series thus far. And that's because the topic of mental health is, it can be funny. I'm not going to say it's never funny, but right now it's not that funny because uh, people are dying, like friends and family, every, like people everywhere are dying one way or another. Uh, so it matters a lot to me. It's very near and dear to my heart. And that doesn't stop now. Our next guest is Yoni Wolf. He's the lead singer of a band called Why. If you want to Google the band Why, type in Why with a question mark, all, all, all of those words, Why with a question mark, into the Google search. Yoni Wolf and Why's music has helped me become a more comfortable person and has helped me with like being comfortable in my own skin and has helped a lot with uh, my mental health issues. So having Yoni on this episode uh, and be able to to introduce him to the people of 2100 means a lot to me. So, ladies and gentlemen, Yoni Wolf. How has mental health affected me, and what is the future of mental health in 2100? Gosh, what a question. I, you know, mental health is something that I deal with, struggle with every day. I, I don't mean to bring the mood down, but that's 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 the reality of it. You know, I it's there, there's ups and there's downs, of course, uh, but I, you know, I've I've it's something that I've struggled with since I was young, um, and you know, I'm still working on getting a handle of what is the future of mental health in 2100. Well, I don't know. I mean, I I, I would like to say, you know, maybe we'll be more adjusted, uh, but you know there's all kinds of stuff that will continue to happen such as uh you know people have struggles in their lives be it uh, physical illness or um heartbreak or uh you know just brain chemicals uh that that don't work perfectly uh that, that, that they'll, they'll be dealing with but that that said sure you know, maybe we'll get more uh, a handle on pharmaceuticals, but I don't think we're going to come up with some fucking brain candy, uh, you know, total solution uh, f for things. I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like part of of mental, you know, people have mental health problems partly because of their environment um obviously partly it's genetics uh 
or propensity towards mental health difficulties come 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 from genetics but uh you know plenty of other things can trigger those those uh those issues and i i don't think that you know by 2100 we're going to be you know some total utopian um planet i you know i think we're still going to have we're still going to have external and and internal struggles probably the, because i don't i don't i don't see you know and, and this is just me you know i've only tried one um uh ssri right antidepressant and and it didn't really i mean it worked i think but not in the way that i would have wanted it to i think it it numbed me out a bit uh i i don't know you know in 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 80 years are we going to figure out how to make those things smooth and right maybe maybe we will maybe we will um and also you know is that is that is that it if you fix brain chemistry you know is is that a cure for for, for you know is that is that the the mental health answer just the just the chemistry or are there other connections uh in there going on or there external factors Check them out on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Music, anything you want. Um, Mental health is a serious goddamn issue. No matter who you are, if it's 2020, 2100, if you have mental health issues or not, you should be seeing a therapist at least once a year. Um, The people that need to see therapists the most are actually people that are not mentally ill. The regulars, you know, the normal people, quote unquote. Um, Because people think they're normal fucking until they go to a therapist and realize hey uh this 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 these are my problems and if you're walking around right now thinking that you have no problems come on now you're the one perfect human you're the only perfect human see a therapist talk to a professional handle your brain it is the most important part of your body and you should be paying attention to it sincerely Happy 2100. She was a working girl, north of England way. Now she's hit the big time. In the USA. And if 
you suicidal? Why kill yourself when you can go and kill a rival? Why hate yourself when you can hate that opposition? I do it by myself cause everybody stitching So-called street niggas going all bad Going out sad I'm praying at the altar that he alter my path I'm at the supercharger with the Glock in my lap You know somebody finna get it I'm off a of poppy still They wanna pop me still The media be on my dick they wanna cop a feel I go too hard to kill You know it's stay with me It's Christmas Eve, 2019. To end this episode officially, because no one ever makes it this fucking far, I'm going to read a poem from my book, Life of a Giant. It's called uh, The Perfect Present. From invincible to invisible, I've been on both ends of the spectrum. It takes instances to differentiate which I'll be in the upcoming seconds. Seconds of bombarding thoughts on irrelevant social miscues, seconds of bombarding thoughts on political issues... Always having second thoughts on how I even got here, friends who are not here, but I've done a lot here. In a few years' time, time will erase the canvas of my memories from a place I call home. Just like how I will erase the label of home from the canvas in my memories, life, like everything else, is on a scale. How present are you? We delineate between how much we let the future affect us and how much we let the past get to us. We never, ever just protect us. We're reaching, but for what? We don't have all the facts on either. Can't change the past, can't know the future. Let me check my computer. The present is the only fixed false reality we know and we can't handle it. We created days and time to dismantle this. It's all got names, but you know it's all games. It's our system to thrive in, some place for us to put our lives in. Everything is so private. Naturally, life's scary, so we hide it. We know our fate as a species and as an individual. Death. It's unconditional, so we can fear, hate, and die, or we can love, joke, and thrive, and every once in a while cry because there's no real reason to be alive. That's why you must accept the present. Try not to resent it, because it's rude to complain about a present. It was given to you. Maybe you didn't want it, but here you are.